This is the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness video 9C. In this one, we're going to be hearing from a man by the name of David Reed, and he's going to be helping you to try to break the brainwash, break through the mind control that the Watchtower leaders have over their members. The mind control that they use is very effective, as many of you know. And uh, I wanted to present you guys with this message so that you guys can get some more ideas of ways to be able to reach your loved ones, reach your relatives, and help them be able to break the mind control techniques that are used by the Watchtower Society in order to enslave them. So I'm going to turn this over to the video, let you guys take care of business. By the way, we're getting down to the end of the series, guys. There should only be four more videos left just four more left and the series will finally be done so guys i hope you'll get some more information and more help after the video i'm going to come back and give you guys some uh some more information but right now let me hand it over to david reed and how to rescue your relatives and break the brainwashing techniques used by the watchtower society there are more than nine million people now attending kingdom halls of jehovah's witnesses according to their published statistics. So how many people are there who have relatives in the Watchtower? Well, if you... Okay, we see a lot of them here. <laughs> well, I'm thinking even beyond this room, how many people there are that have relatives in the Watchtower? You figure the average person has uh, perhaps a husband or wife, uh, mother, father, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, niece, Nephew, I don't have enough fingers, uh, cousins, and people often have many brothers or several sisters, several cousins, uncles, aunts, nieces, and nephews. So it's quite possible, quite conceivable that when one person joins Jehovah's Witnesses, that 30 people suddenly find that they have a relative in the watchtower. But of course, uh, sometimes an individual might already be related to someone else in the watchtower, or, or a whole family might go in. And so, uh, naturally, they are all related together. So if you took uh, the figure, say, of, of 30 people having relatives in the Watchtower for each witness, that would give you, uh, since there are 4,000 people joining Jehovah's Witnesses every week, that would give you about 120,000 people every week that suddenly find themselves with a relative in the Watchtower. Uh, since that figure weekly, 4,000 a week, adds up to 200,000 a year becoming Jehovah's Witnesses. They're baptizing that many every year. So that would mean if there are 30 relatives for each witness, uh, there would be about 6 million people a year who have relatives in the Watchtower all of a sudden. But of course, uh, as I mentioned, some people who are in the Watchtower have relatives that are also inside. If you figure just say 10 as the average number of relatives that each witness would have outside, that would still give you, for uh, the 9 million people attending Kingdom Halls, it would give you about 90 million people who have a relative in the Watchtower. Well, I began to get a feel for some of these figures after my book, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses Answered Verse by Verse, was published about three years ago by Baker Bookhouse. I began getting letters, began getting letters in response to that book. Now, some of those letters were from Christians who thanked me for giving them help in answering Jehovah's Witnesses at their doors. Uh, some of the letters were from ex-witnesses who appreciated the books uh, helping them to take off watchtower glasses when they read the scriptures and to get a fresh insight on scripture. And some of the letters were even from Jehovah's Witnesses themselves who uh, got a copy of the book at a Christian bookstore and ripped off the cover and took it home so nobody would know what it was. Uh, some people who found it in a library and spent days in between the shelves reading the book. But the vast majority of letters in response to that book were letters that came from people who have a loved one in the Watchtower. I started getting letters like that almost every day, perhaps every other day. Uh, one couple would write, for example, Our son quit college, moved in with pioneers. He's ruining his life. Uh, we found out when he wouldn't come home for the holidays. Uh, he even sent back his birthday gift but he hinted that we could give it to him a couple of days later. Someone else would write, My sister-in-law is a Jehovah's Witness and has been for 15 years. Every time she comes over, we get into an argument. 
It's been that way for 15 years. Using your book, Jehovah's Witnesses Answered Verse by Verse, I now often win the argument. I always lost before. But still, nothing changes. She remains a witness, even though I win some of the arguments. We still argue. What can I do? But the saddest letters were the ones that went like this. My wife and I were never what you would call religious people, but a few months ago she got involved with Jehovah's Witnesses. We argued every night. Last week she moved out and took the kids with her. I guess I need a good lawyer to divorce her and get the kids back. I get letters like that all the time. Some of these people I've written long letters to in response, three, four-page letters. Some of them I've spent an hour or two with on the telephone talking to them. But I've never felt that I was able to give them an adequate preparation to really rescue their loved ones from the watchtower. Of course, I was able to send them literature, too. It didn't have to all be in a letter. There are plenty of good books available and booklets and tapes and, and other teaching materials to help people answer Jehovah's Witnesses. But there was still a problem, and that was that none of these materials was specifically for someone who had a relative in the Watchtower. And as a result, I, I felt compelled to uh, take time out from a, an already busy schedule to write this book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. Well, why a book especially for people with Jehovah's Witness loved ones? Thank you. Uh, basically for two reasons. Two reasons why you need a book especially for people with relatives in the watchtower. First of all, the strategy and the techniques involved for reaching a relative are different from those involved in reaching a Jehovah's Witness that calls at your door. And I'll explain the differences in a minute. A uh, second reason, though, why a book specifically on helping your relative get out of the watchtower is important is that many of the people who suddenly find themselves with a relative in the watchtower are not Christians. They may not even be religious people at all. They may not come from a religious background. So I felt the need to produce a book that could be used by people who were not already born-again Christians, and yet they could still pick up this book and use it to reach their relative. And at the same time, perhaps by the things they read, they too would see the need for a personal relationship with Christ. Well, I promised I'd talk about the differences between answering a Jehovah's Witness at the door and getting a relative out of the watchtower. Suppose, for example, a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and you've picked up all kinds of materials here and you've listened to all these talks, and so you share some really powerful information with that witness and his faith in the watchtower is shaken, and he's beginning to question and, and to wonder about some of the things you showed him in the scriptures. Well, he goes back to his kingdom hall, and naturally the, the ones he'll ask about this would be the elders. He approaches them, he asks them about some of the things that you showed him, and they tell him never to go back to that house again. In fact, they pull out the territory map and they put a little note in the envelope for that house number and that street. Don't go back there. There's an opposer there. They want to steer any other witnesses from hearing all the things that you told them. Well, this person may uh, continue to think about the things you told them. Even though the elders told them don't go back, he'll probably obey them. He probably won't go back. But the things that you told him are going to be like a seed planted in his mind. I know that because it was true in my case. There were occasionally people that told me things at the doors, and they didn't get me out of the watchtower right then, but I filed them away, and I kept them in the back of my mind. And when the time was right, the Holy Spirit drew those things out. And it was just like uh, the Apostle Paul meant it, uh, mentioned that he planted and Apollos watered and God made it grow. So every time a witness comes to the door and you give them some information like this, it, it has a good effect, even if you don't see anything happen right away. But now think about what happened with this individual. You, you planted a, a seed, you gave them some powerful information. They're thinking about it. They may eventually come out of the watchtower and come to Christ. But the elder told them, don't ever go back to that house again. Well, fine. God can use somebody else to water that seed and make it grow. But that's not fine if it's your relative. Suppose you sit down with your relative and you give them all that information, and they go back and start doubting the watchtower, and the elder tells them not to see you again. So it's different in the case of a relative. You want to be able to present powerful information but and break through the brainwashing, but not break the relationship. 
Jehovah's Witnesses have a, a special category for people who present powerful, devastating information about the watchtower to a witness. And that category is an opposer. You've heard of disfellowship people, you've heard of disassociated people. Well, they also refer to people who are opposers. And I've talked to people right here at this convention this weekend who've told me that they attempted to get their relative out of the watchtower and their relative has been called aside by the elders and told that that person is an opposer. Don't talk to them anymore. So if you're going to try to get your loved one out of the watchtower, you have to do it unless you can do it in one shot at one sitting, which you usually can't, you have to do it in such a way that you're going to be able to talk to them again and again and again. And that's very tricky. It's different from what you would do with a witness at the door because you're not really too worried about making sure that they come back again. And most of our literature doesn't have information in it on how to do that, how to talk to a person so as to not become an opposer. So that's what we're going to talk about first, is how to break through the brainwashing without breaking the relationship. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses use uh, this book in most of their Bible studies nowadays. You can live forever in paradise on earth. And in this book's second lesson, on page 23, it says to teach them about opposers. In fact, this is even before there's a chapter about God, who is he, or a chapter about Jesus Christ. They want to make sure that you know who the opposers are. So uh, when a person starts studying with Jehovah's Witnesses, they learn right away in this second chapter, oh, by the way, the, the title of the chapter is uh, An Enemy of Everlasting Life. So in chapter one, they see all the colorful pictures of the paradise, and then in chapter two, they learn about Satan and the devil. It's a little strange, but uh, that's the way they have it set up here. And on page 23, which is part of chapter two, the second lesson, the new student is told about opposers. So this is what happens when Jehovah's Witnesses knock at the door and start studying with someone's wife and the man is at work and he comes home and asks, what did you do today, dear? And she says, well, a couple of ladies came by and we talked about the Bible. And he says, that's nice, dear. And uh, next week she has lesson number two and he finds out they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And at that point, when he goes to do something about it, she's already got this planted in her mind that he's an opposer. In fact, this is what it says. On page 23, it says, How might Satan the devil even use friends and relatives to discourage us? You can be sure that Satan the devil does not want you to have this knowledge and that he will do all in his power to stop you from getting it. That is, they're talking about the knowledge in the Watchtower's book. How will he do this? One way is by seeing to it that you receive opposition, perhaps in the form of ridicule. It may be that even close friends or relatives will tell you that they do not like your examining the scriptures. Christ Jesus himself even warned, indeed, a man's enemies will be persons of his own household. But if you give up a study of God's word when opposition comes, how will God view you? So here they are in their second lesson in the Watchtower book, possibly the second time the witnesses came to the door, and already they're told that a relative is going to come and try to break up the study. And that when that happens, they can be sure that the relative was sent by Satan the devil. So the poor unsuspecting person whose relative is studying with the witnesses doesn't realize that this is what they learned in their second lesson. And uh, you come along and you tell your relatives that Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult. And they should quit studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, right away, without knowing it, you've played right into the watchtower's hands. You've done two things. Number one you've made the Jehovah's Witnesses look like true prophets because they said your relative is going to try to break up this study and here you come along, you try to break up the study. The person's thinking, wow, the Witnesses told me this would happen and here it is. And then second, you appear to be sent by Satan the devil because these seemingly true prophets who told them that the relative was going to come along and do this also told them the reason the relative is doing that is because the devil sent them. So the witnesses have proved right uh, that you would come along, some relative would come along and try to break up the study. They must be right, too, about the devil sending you. So it becomes very difficult for the average person to cope with this situation. Uh, here you are just beginning to realize the import of your relative studying with the watchtower, 
you approach them about it to tell them to stop studying, and this is something planted in their brain that tells them that this proves the witnesses are right and it proves that you are from the devil. It's very difficult for people to overcome. The more excited you get, the more information you want to dump on them, the more they think the witnesses were right. This, you know, the devil is behind all of it. So this is what usually happens. And uh, in my book, I discuss the strategy and the technique for approaching a relative without becoming identified as an opposer. So we're going to talk about that now, how to do that, how to approach a relative without them deciding that the devil sent you. Well, point number one is that you can't tell the relative that you want to get them away from Jehovah's Witnesses. It's very difficult. As soon as you tell them that that's your purpose in talking to them, you fulfill that prophecy that a relative would try to break up the study. So you can't do that. You can't tell them that you're coming along to try to get them out of the watchtower. Now, don't be dishonest. You know, don't lie to them and uh, say something other than what you really mean, but just avoid giving that impression. Avoid the negative comments. Avoid coming out and saying, I want you to stop studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. They're a cult. Now, in order to avoid saying that, you might have to end up with a bloody tongue. I mean, you're going to have to bite your tongue not to tell them that. And point number two is instead of using arguments, what you have to do is use questions. Now, I'll discuss in detail what that involves, but uh, this approach takes into account the programming that Jehovah's Witnesses have. Uh, not only are the new students being programmed to view someone as an opposer, but also as they become more involved with the Watchtower, they're programmed to act like all Jehovah's Witnesses and to teach other people what they're learning. Usually, if you can catch someone on the first, second, or third study, you have a very good opportunity to, to break it off right there. But unfortunately, most people, by the time they get a hold of a book like this, or by the time they come to a meeting like this to find out what to do about their relative in the watchtower, their relative's already been in there for a few weeks or months or maybe even years. Now, if the person who has had two studies with Jehovah's Witnesses sees your interference as a fulfillment of their prophecy and a sign that you came from the devil, just imagine how a witness who's been in there for years thinks of it. They can practically see the devil behind you, working the strings, working you like a puppet. So you have to be very, very careful in dealing with people in this condition. But aside from this programming to view you as an opposer, the witness is also programmed to do certain other things. Uh, number one, he's programmed not to listen to criticism. And that's why you have to avoid criticism of the organization. He's programmed not to listen to it. But he is programmed to listen to people's questions and to give help to people with Bible questions. So instead of showing up and saying to your relative, uh, here, let me show you what's wrong with the watchtower. Let the Jehovah's Witness think that he's teaching you. Show up and say something like this. Uh, On account of your involvement with the organization, I've taken an interest in the watchtower too. And uh, I've come up with some questions. Could you help me with my questions? Now, if you use those words, and you have to use the right tone of voice too. I mean, you can't uh, just come along and make it, just use those words. But if you use the, uh, the word questions, that immediately triggers in the Jehovah's Witness mind the reaction that they're supposed to answer people's questions. If you use the word help, say help me with my questions, that triggers another program's response. They're, they're trained to help people. Now, it might be that uh, you've already had some arguments with your relatives and you can't immediately approach them right after an argument with a statement like this because it just won't fit in. But when you, when you do ask for, for help under the right circumstances, it triggers this programmed response in the Jehovah's Witnesses' mind. Now, I'm sure some people are thinking right now, well, this is deceptive. I feel uncomfortable about approaching my relative and saying, I want you to help me with my questions about the watchtower. Well, it's not a straightforward approach, but it's a situation where you just can't use a straightforward approach. Uh, in my book, I give an illustration that, that helps to show why that's true. I give a parable about a firebug or an arsonist. And uh, just to try to picture this scenario for a moment. Uh, there's an arsonist who wants to burn down a certain apartment building, and he's a, a real wacko. I mean, he doesn't just want to burn down the building. He wants to burn all the people in it, too. He wants to make sure they don't get out uh, when he burns the building down. 
So instead of just going and lighting fire to the building, uh, he puts on a suit, a white shirt, and a tie, and he goes knocking on doors in the building. Sound familiar? Uh, well, he, he goes knocking on doors, and he tells the people when they come to the door that uh, he's representing the uh, police department, and he's calling to warn them that there's a, a sniper loose in the neighborhood. And the sniper is very dangerous. What he does is he goes into a, a building, and he shouts, fire, fire. And then when the people come out in the hallways, he shoots them down. So he, he warns these people, this, this arsonist who's all dressed up like a businessman, he, he warns these people that when they hear anybody shout fire while this sniper is in the neighborhood, just stay in the apartment, lock your doors and stay in, don't come out. Well, then he goes out of the building after giving that warning to everybody, and uh, he goes outside and he lights the building on fire. Well, then you come along. And you know what's going on. You know this uh, arsonist, and you know what he, how he operates. Now, what would you do? If you run into that building and start yelling, fire, fire, what's everybody going to do? They're all going to lock their doors and stay inside, because they figure you're the sniper. And uh, as soon as they come out, you'll shoot them. So you can't go into the building and yell, fire. This is a situation with the Jehovah's Witness. You just can't run up to them and yell, the watchtower is bad, come out, because they're programmed to run away from you. The same way if you ran into this building and shouted fire, these people are, have been programmed to lock their doors and hide because they think you're the sniper. So what would you do? Well, you'd go into the building and you'd go up to the first door and you'd knock and when the person answers the door you'd say, um, uh, good evening. Would you mind stepping out into the corridor for a minute? I, I want to ask you something. And when they step out you say, uh, by the way, do you smell something strange? Do you think it might be smoke? Uh, what about that yellow flickering light down the end of the corridor? Do you think that might be fire? Well, by the time the person gets to the point, they're probably going to knock you over running out of the building. And they're going to think, uh, you know, you've given them the greatest understatement they ever heard in their life. Uh, but the point is that you'll be able to get the person out of the building that way. And that's the way it is with Jehovah's Witnesses. If you walk up to them and sound this loud alarm that the, the watchtower is dangerous, it's a cult, you're trapped, get out, They've been programmed to see you as an opposer sent by the devil. So you have to do it another way. Just the way you wouldn't let these people burn down in the building just because you couldn't go in and yell fire and give the most direct approach, you'd have to use a more subtle approach. So what you have to do is approach Jehovah's Witnesses in such a way that they won't lock the doors of their minds against you like those people in the building would lock their doors against the sniper. Well, that's one point that I discuss in, in detail in my book, how to avoid coming across as an opposer. And it's very essential because if you do come across as an opposer, you can't do anything else. That's the end of the story. You can't continue with your approach. But now another main point is how to penetrate the brainwashing, how to pen penetrate a Jehovah's Witness's thinking. Well, have you ever watched a Jehovah's Witness uh, dealing with a Christian, or a Christian rather, trying to get a Jehovah's Witness to see the real gospel? Usually goes something like this. Now, now see if you can follow the ball. Uh, Dwayne referred to it this morning uh, as biblical ping pong. Well, the, the Christian reads the verse, and the witness reads the verse. The Christian reads the verse, and the witness reads the verse. And he reads the verse, and he reads the verse, and he reads the verse. And it's just like a ping pong ball, the ping pong game. The, the scriptures are being tossed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You can go on for an hour, you can go on for two hours. Uh, if you're watching it, the only thing that will happen is you'll get dizzy. And if you're the one playing against the witness, you get hot and sweaty, but you, you won't really accomplish anything. The problem is that even if you've made a lot of points with the witness, when you're finished, you've accomplished nothing. It doesn't matter if the witness scored a lot of points or you scored a lot of points. When you're finished, it's just no more, of no more import to the witness than if you'd been playing a ping-pong game. Whether he wins or loses, he doesn't usually come out of the watchtower. The problem is that you haven't hit on the heart of the matter which is the organization itself. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to say that it's not important to answer Jehovah's Witnesses biblically. Uh, I mean, I even wrote a book called Jehovah's Witnesses Answered Verse by Verse. It is important to answer them on these points, but timing is very important. And the reason why a scriptural discussion won't usually work in the beginning is that it's usually not enough to pull a person out of the watchtower. It fails to take aim at the real problem which is the organization. 
not the understanding of particular Bible verses. You see, a Jehovah's Witness will understand a Bible verse to mean one thing today and something else tomorrow, if a different explanation comes out of the watchtower. They believe the Bible verse to mean whatever the organization says it means. An example that I've mentioned before uh, involves a couple of ladies that came to my door not too long after I left the Watchtower organization. These were two witnesses that Penny and I knew uh, when we were in the organization. They'd even ridden in our car with us, but for some strange reason they didn't recognize us when they came to the door. And so we were able to have a conversation with them, which would have been impossible if they knew that we were the fellowship. Well, uh, I let them go ahead and give their presentation so they would feel uh, satisfied and feel that uh, we had let them talk. They gave their standard presentation. And then after they finished, I asked the one who was taking the lead if she could answer a Bible question for me. Oh, and she was quite happy to. She pulled out her Bible. And I asked her to show me in the Bible where they find this teaching of the great crowd that's going to live on the earth. So she opened up her Bible, being very helpful. Uh, she opened it up to Revelation chapter 7 and read me their standard verses about the uh, great crowd in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And we'll just turn there for a second, if you don't mind. Uh, Revelation 7, verse 9. And it says, uh, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. So in their version, the New World Translation, it says the great crowd rather than great multitude. And she was quite happy. She showed me the scripture that I asked about. And I asked her to read a little bit further down, read the context. And she saw a little beside standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were, uh, there were angels all around. And uh, I said to her, isn't this pretty obvious that this is a heavenly location? This great crowd has gone to heaven? And she said, oh, no, 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 they're on the earth. Well, I, no matter how many things I pointed out to her that were in heaven, standing around this great crowd, she still insisted that they were on the earth. So I asked her to turn over to Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. And I asked her to actually read the, the first few verses there in Revelation chapter 19. And she read where it says, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude, it says great crowd in their translation, a great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power to the Lord our God. And I had her continue to read the context right down through uh, verses 5 and 6, where it said, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, or again, it's a great crowd in the New World Translation. So verses 5 and 6 show that we're talking about everyone who serves God, the small and the great, calls them a great crowd, and verse 1 says they're in heaven. So after reading all these verses, I asked this Jehovah's Witness, so, so where is the great crowd? And she said, well, they're on earth. So I asked her to read verse 1 again, and she read the voice of a great crowd in heaven, and I said, so where's the great crowd? She said, they're on earth. So I, asked, I was getting a little frustrated, but I asked her to read it once more, and this time I, I put my finger right there and pointed at the word heaven, and I said, what does that word say? And she said, well, it says heaven, but they're on earth. She said, you see, you don't understand. We have men at our headquarters who could explain that the great crowd is on earth. I just can't explain it that well, but, but you see, they, they could explain it to you. So this just goes to show what you're up against when you try to use the scriptures against the Jehovah's Witness. They're not really seeing that scripture that you're holding in front of their face. They're looking at the word heaven and seeing earth because the watchtower has told them to. And that's why you have to take this roundabout approach uh, to reach a Jehovah's Witness. You can't just uh, open the Bible and read them a scripture that means something to you or me because it doesn't mean that to them. They, they can look at black and read white. They can look it up and read down. They can look at heaven and read earth if the watchtower tells them to. So the, watchtower, the Jehovah's Witnesses' belief is based not on what the Bible says, but on the, what the Watchtower tells them it means. And you have to go beyond scriptural discussions to get a Jehovah's Witness out of the Watchtower. You have to go after the organization itself and prove that it is not a trustworthy interpreter of the Bible. Now, because the witness relative that you're talking to doesn't trust 
anybody else on the face of the earth, only the watchtower, you're kind of limited as to what material you can use. You can't use the Bible because they don't really see what it says. They, they're looking at it through watchtower colored glasses. You can't use uh, a book like this because they say this is apostate literature. If they see this book, they'll run away. So you can't do that. What you have to do is to use watchtower literature to help get them out of the watchtower. The only thing that they'll trust is watchtower literature, so that's what you have to use. So in this book, uh, I produced uh, photostatic copies of various pages from the watchtower. This isn't the first book that does that. There are many books available that do it. But this uh, provides everything in one place, the strategy for uh, dealing with the relatives and also the material that someone would need to produce. So you have photostatic copies there of the false prophecies, the uh, changes in doctrines, and even the back and forth uh, changes, as well as outright nonsense that the Watchtower has taught down over the years. Uh, for example, the, uh, some of the photostatic evidence shows that the Watchtower taught for about 50 years that the Great Pyramid of Egypt was inspired by God, just like the Bible. Many of the early Watchtower books and magazines refer to the Great Pyramid. They have diagrams of it, pictures, measurements, and they give prophecies based on the Great Pyramid. They taught that it was God's witness, God's stone witness on the earth. Well, they taught that for about 50 years, and then after teaching it for 50 years, they came out with a new truth. And the new truth was that Satan the devil was the one who inspired the pyramid. And so it could be called Satan's Bible. And anyone who was following pyramid teachings was not following after Christ. Well, this is very powerful information to present to a Jehovah's Witness. But you can't just tell them that like I told you. I mean, you believe me because you trust me. But the Jehovah's Witness isn't going to trust you if you tell them something like that. The only way they'll believe it is if you show it to them in the pages of the Watchtower. So what you have to do is uh, open up the book and, and get those pages out and show them to the witness. Uh, some of the other uh, information that's documented is the uh, back-and-forth changes in Watchtower teachings. The witnesses will defend themselves on that pyramid teaching. They'll say, well, so what if we taught that for 50 years? The light gets brighter. See, this proves we're in God's organization because we don't teach it anymore. It doesn't matter that their organization was founded on 50 years of false teaching and using Satan's Bible, as they call it now. But they'll say, we don't teach that anymore. The light gets brighter, and that proves that this is God's organization. Well, what do you do then? The book also documents some teachings that go back and forth. Uh, for example, if you ask the reader of the Watchtower, will the men of Sodom and Gomorrah be resurrected? They were destroyed by God. He threw fire and brimstone on those cities because of their wickedness and destroyed them. Well, are they going to be resurrected? If you asked a, a reader of the Watchtower in 1879, he would say yes. In 1952, he'd say no. 1965, he'd say yes. 1988, he'd say no. Well, all those pages are documented in the book. <coughs> so instead of the watchtower light getting brighter, it was blinking on and off, on and off, on and off. <laughs> now, besides these two examples about the pyramid and the resurrection, there are many other proofs contained in the book that uh, prove that the watchtower organization is not what it claims to be. And this is material that a Jehovah's Witness can't just shrug off or ignore. It's going to do something to them when they see it. So going through that type of material is usually a necessary procedure to get someone out of the watchtower. Now, it's difficult to get people to do this. I've sat down with Christians and told them this, and I've sat down with people, other people that have relatives in the watchtower and told them this, and they say, okay, okay. Then they go over and they visit their witness relative and they take out their Bible and they turn to John 1.1. 1, 1 because that's what they're comfortable with. Well, it's comfortable, but it doesn't work. And the result is that uh, if you blow it the first time, you probably won't get a second chance because you're going to decide you're an opposer and they won't listen to you anymore. Now, as I mentioned, there are a number of books that provide this uh, necessary material. Aside from my own, uh, there's Randy Waters, Thus Say It's the Governing Body. There's uh, Dwayne Mignani's Dialogue with Jehovah's Witnesses as well as about, a, about half a dozen other books that Dwayne has written. Uh, there's Bill Setner's Questions for Jehovah's Witnesses Who Love the Truth, uh, Eric Griefhaber's Exposé of Jehovah's Witnesses, Robert Morey's How to Answer a Jehovah's Witness. All these books contain photocopies of 
material that the Watchtower has printed itself. But what you have to do to show this material to Jehovah's Witness, as I mentioned, is not to take the book itself. If you go up to the witness and say, well, don't look at the cover, just look at this page here. <laughs> this is a photocopy from the Watchtower. It's not going to work because they're going to look at the cover and they'll say, I can't look at that. So what you have to do is you take this page and you smush it down on a photocopy machine and you photocopy it. And then you take the photocopy and you trim off whatever excess there is here. You see the, the publisher of the book is written down here, the, the Watchtower issue of such and such, and then there's a page number that tells you what page is on the book. Where you, you trim off all that stuff because that would uh, you know, just confuse the witness. And what you have left is just the page from the Watchtower. And if you show that to a witness, he can look at it. It's safe. It's his material. He can look at it. So whatever book you use to get the material out of, make sure you get it completely out of the book. Just photocopy it, trim off anything excess, and then you have something you can give to your Jehovah's Witness relative. Well, what do you do with it? You can't walk up to him and say, here's a pile of evidence that proves the Watchtower is wrong, because then even if it's Watchtower material, he won't look at it. I remember before I was at fellowship, I was in the Kingdom Hall, and I got a letter from uh, Watchtower headquarters. It was signed with a little rubber stamp that said Watchtower, and it had their logo at the top, and I tried to show it to somebody, and he wouldn't look at it. He jumped back like I was trying to hand him a dead fish because he knew that I was going to be the fellowship. I was like an opposer. So it all depends on the approach that you have to this person. You have to be clearly identified as a non-hostile source because if you're a hostile source, they won't even look at their own literature if you try to hand it to them. So this is what you need to do. You have to get those photocopies, read how to do it, read the, the strategy, the instructions on uh, techniques, how to talk to your relative without being viewed as an opposer. And then you go up to the relative something like this. You say, um, because of your interest in the organization, I'm interested in it too. And I've been reading some of your literature, and I've been doing some research. And I've come up with some questions. Can you help me with my questions? Uh, some of these questions have to do with things that I read in some of your publications. Uh, I have some photocopies here uh, from your publications. Uh, for example, this one here is from the April 1st, 1972 Watchtower. Uh, it seems to say that the organization uh, calls itself a prophet. Uh, is, is that what that says? I want to make sure I understand it right. Can you read it for me? And they'll look at it because it's, it's their literature. And then you take the next page that you photocopied and you said, um, uh, this one is from one of their books called uh, Studies in the Scriptures, Volume 2. Now, that is a Watchtower book, isn't it? And you show them a photocopy of the front title page where it says Watchtower Society, 1908, or whatever it is. And uh, then you have them read the power where it says that man's governments will all be destroyed and God's kingdom will take power in 1914. And you ask them if that's right. Make sure that uh, you, you understand correctly what it says. You, you want their help in understanding it. Uh, then you take, take them to uh, one from the 1917 edition of Volume 7 of Studies in the Scriptures, where it says that God will destroy all the churches and the church members in 1918. And you ask them if you understanding it right. Tell them you were a little confused when you read it because you still see churches out there. But uh, is this what it really says? And just ask them to help you with it. Well, they'll, they'll read it, sure enough. And um, then you come up with these copy from the 1920 book, Millions Now Living Will Never Die, where it says that God will resurrect Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the dead in 1925. And you tell them that you were a little confused when you read this, because uh, you've never checked the newspapers to see if they were resurrected back then, but you want to make sure that, they under that you understand it right and ask them to help you out with it. And you have to be careful you don't do this sarcastically. Uh, it's kind of hard, I and mean, you're going to have to practice in front of a mirror to get a straight face. But... <laughs> But you do it in such a way that, that you really have some questions and you'd like them to assist you with it. You might even take some pages that are just totally neutral so you won't make everything look terrible. Uh, but you go all the way through, right up to the uh, 1960s and 1970 uh, publications that were telling about 1975, that the world would end then. Uh, you can even bring out a photocopy of the Kingdom Ministry page where the Watchtower encouraged people to sell their homes and uh, quit their jobs and pioneer before the uh, end because it was so close. And you keep just bringing out questions. You ask them if they could please 
read this with you and help you to understand it. Now, as I mentioned, if you've uh, been having arguments already with your witness loved one, you can't just jump in and do this the next day. If you were there yesterday telling them the watchtower is a false prophet and you have to get out of it because it's a cult, you can't show up tomorrow and say, uh, um, I'm interested in reading about the watchtower and I've come for some research and i got some questions. I mean, they're going to remember what you said a couple of days ago. So you might have to allow a cooling off period. Uh, depending on how much you did to try to get them out, if you if you just you know just had a little brief encounter, you might just let a couple of months go by, and during those couple of months, you just don't talk to them about the watchtower. You don't argue about it. You don't tell them it's a cult. You don't fight them on it. You just let them know you love them, be interested, talk about the weather, talk about the garden, whatever there is to talk about. But just let some time go by so that you can realistically come along with some questions later on that they might help you with. Uh, if you've been putting on a real big push to get them out of the watchtower, you might have to wait a year or two. Or maybe somebody else in the family can go up to them with these questions. But you can't expect them to uh, start looking at your questions when you've already been identified as an opposer. If that's happened, it might be good to get somebody else in the family to do it or to allow a cooling off period. But then when you do go up to them, you have to make sure that you're going to just stick to the questions. It's very tempting to come out with something else. Uh, for example, when, they, when they've read three or four of these prophecies and seen that they're obviously false prophecies, and they say, uh, well, these, these seem to be false prophecies. Then if you jump in and say, see, I told you so. The watchtower is a false prophet. Well, that's going to end it, because they're going to go to the kingdom hall, they're going to tell the elders, and the elders are going to tell them, you know, that's an opposer, don't see that person anymore, just cut them off, and you can't go any further with that approach. So what you have to do is just really bite your tongue. When they start saying these are false prophecies, you say, oh, well, <laughs> you know, uh, hmm, that's interesting. And just go on to something else. There's other material in this book and in, in many other books. There's material about their changes on medical doctrines back and forth, uh, life and death matters. There's material on uh, where they taught that God lives on the star Alcyon and the Pleiades constellation. Uh, there's material where they said that Leviathan was the uh, steam locomotive, and they go on to describe all the different parts in the book of Job that talk about the different parts of the steam locomotive. And you go through as much of this material as you possibly can with your witness relative, and eventually they're going to be the ones who are going to decide it's a false prophet and that it's not God's organization. They're going to be like the people in that burning apartment building when you, you say, uh, do you smell anything? It's that little flickering light over there in the corner. And they're going to realize, without you shouting fire, they're going to realize that they're in a place that they ought to get out of. Don't give up hope. Your prayers and your love and your patience can help to eventually bring about that person's rescue. Uh, right here at this convention, we have dozens of people who have been brought out of the watchtower through loving help from relatives and friends. Uh, as I myself was preparing to leave the Watchtower back in 1981, as I began to realize it was a false organization, uh, I started sharing some of this material that we're talking about tonight with my wife. And Penny was very, very frightened at first. It was a very frightening thing to think that uh, the Watchtower could be wrong. But by sharing this information with her, she came out of the Watchtower with me. Uh, I showed it to my brothers, my three brothers, who had been Jehovah's Witnesses for a number of years. They all came out of the watchtower. I shared this uh, material with uh, my sister-in-law, and she went and took it to her mother, and she came out of the watchtower too. And we continue to hear all the time from people who are coming out of Jehovah's Witnesses organization and people who are getting their relatives out. For example, just before leaving for this convention, I received this letter, it's dated uh, October 9th, from Gardner, Massachusetts, and she says, uh, Dear Mr. Reed, since receiving comments from the friends and reading Crisis of Conscience and the other literature that you sent to me, my parents and I have formally disassociated ourselves from the Gardner Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. We have also found Christ and have been attending a small Baptist church on Sunday. Now, this was all handled through the mail, through one member of the family who, in turn, approached other members of the family. So it is possible to get people we love out of the watchtower. If the attempt has been bungled in the past, and it's 
very hard to do it without bungling it because you have to watch a thin line to avoid being an opposer and to avoid giving rise to suspicions in the witness's mind, then you have to allow a cooling off period or, or someone else in the family has to go in and do it. But it is possible to get people we love out of the watchtower. We recognize that this is a very, very difficult task. Working with Jehovah's Witnesses is one of the most difficult areas there is in Christian ministry. Many have just thrown up their hands and given up because it seems impossible to get their Jehovah's Witness relatives out. But it is possible to rescue witness relatives from the watchtower. And the proof is in Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. And I'd like to conclude with the reading of that portion of Scripture this evening. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. And Jesus was talking about another group that was very difficult, almost impossible to rescue. Uh, in Matthew 19, beginning with verse 23, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he might substitute Jehovah's Witness there, because that's true. It's hard for a Jehovah's Witness to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, I think we'd agree with that, too. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a Jehovah's Witness to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So with God it is possible to get your relatives out of the watchtower. So there you heard it, guys. Another very, very uh, well-done presentation. Some great ideas on how to reach your loved ones who are trapped within the Watchtower Society and try to help get them out. By the reaction that I've gotten from people who've listened to video 9A and 9B, it appears there's a lot of people out there that have friends and family that are ensnared in the Watchtower Society. And if you can get them to watch a video... I know this Hidden from Jehovah's Witness series is pretty long, but if you can get them to watch just one, have them watch video number five. That one appears to be the one that really reaches a lot of people when they see it uh, because it is just so absolute. I mean, if you run into a family member or a friend who is just absolutely convinced that the governing body is sent from God and all this, and if they're convinced that the Watchtower Society, this organization of truth and all this, have them watch video number five. It's very hard for them to watch number five and walk away still convinced that the Watchtower Society is telling the truth. So uh, I wanted to give you guys that. If you guys want to get some more information from David Reed, the man who just gave you that presentation, his website is answerjw.com. Answerjw.com. He has a lot of books resources and stuff there for people who are trying to reach Jehovah's Witnesses just like I'm trying to reach Jehovah's Witnesses and bring them out because what I want is this I want people who have joined the Jehovah's Witnesses to come out because many of them who joined if they join thinking that they joined a Christian religion I want them to see that the Watchtower is not a Christian religion it's not it's not teaching the Bible it's not teaching what the Bible says it's teaching something completely different. As a matter of fact, the leadership is fully aware that they're not teaching what the Bible says. That's why they wrote their own Bible version, to make it say what they wanted it to say. They know that their Bible doesn't teach what the real Bible, the King James Bible in English language. They know it's not teaching what this book says. And if you watch video number five, you'll see just as clear as day that the leadership is fully aware that the teachings that they're teaching concerning Jesus Christ, who he is and how he died and all of that, they know that what they're teaching is not true. And I show you the proof from their own literature. But I'm not screaming and yelling at you. If you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're watching this, I want to thank you for taking the time to watch it because I know that the leadership of your group go out of their way to try to prevent you from watching videos like this that really causes you to question what's going on in there. So I appreciate you watching the video. And you can feel free to leave me a comment and let me know what you think. You'll be surprised how many Jehovah's Witnesses from all over the world have left me comments there on YouTube, many of them saying they want to leave. 
after watching the video series and other websites and things and doing more research, they've sent me messages saying that they want to leave, but they're afraid to leave. They're scared to leave because the leadership has put them under so much fear that Armageddon's going to break out any second, and their leaders have put them under so much fear that if they leave the group, they're going to bust their family up. Their family's going to split up because one member wants to stay, another member wants to leave, and the one that stays is told you can't talk to your family member anymore, and it's, it's just awful what they do here. That's why I'm putting together this series. If somebody wants to be a Christian, let me show you how to become a Christian. It's real simple. God gave us Ten Commandments to show us that we can't live by those commandments. They're too high for us. God's laws are way up here. We can't live up to that standard. The King James Bible makes it clear. If you break one of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking all of them. You can't say, I'm going to be good from here forward. Sorry, you've already sinned back here. You need something that's going to deal with these sins you've already done before you can say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and start over. So this is what God did. He gave us the Ten Commandments to show us that his laws are way up here and we don't live up to those standards. Then he came down to the earth. God came down as a man. I know the Watchtower doesn't teach that, and they rewrote their Bible to change that story. But I challenge you to watch video number seven. I challenge you to watch video number seven of the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness series and find out who Jesus is. I challenge you to do that. And write to me and tell me what you think. But God came down. My King James Bible says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. God came down as a man who was 100% man, 100% God. And he lived out those Ten Commandments because we couldn't. And then after completing those and teaching us the right way, he allowed himself to be put to death in a human body. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, not through the watchtower. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's how we're supposed to get it. Now, Jesus paid the price. The Old Testament was obey these Ten Commandments. Mankind couldn't obey those Ten Commandments. So God gave us a New Testament, a new covenant. But in order to bring in the new, something had to be done with the old. You've heard the term last will and testament. When does the testament, when does the last will and testament kick in? It kicks in once the one who wrote the will dies. Who wrote the Ten Commandments? God did. He wrote them with his own finger on a stone, on stone tablets. When you read through and watch video number seven, you'll find out that it was Jesus who wrote them. It was Jesus who went through with the children of Israel through the book of Exodus. The New Testament tells you that. He's the one that wrote the Ten Commandments. The last will and testament kicks in when the one who wrote the will dies. So in order to bring in the New Testament, the new covenant, the old covenant had to be dealt with. The one who wrote the old covenant had to die. And he did. He fulfilled the old covenant and then allowed himself to be put to death in a human body. Once he died... Old covenant's done. New covenant can now come in. What's the new covenant? The old covenant was obey these rules. We couldn't obey the rules. The new covenant is believe on Jesus Christ. Anybody can believe on Jesus Christ. Anybody can believe. Not anybody can fulfill those Ten Commandments. But Jesus did it. The new covenant is belief. When you read through the book of John in this King James Bible over and over and over again, Jesus says, believe on me, believe on me, believe on me, believe on me, believe on me. That's the new covenant, believing on Jesus Christ. My favorite verse, and we're going to let this video go so I can put it up on YouTube and let you guys uh, 
get it and and try to help more people get out of the watchtower first john chapter 5 verse 13 king james bible you want to do the will of the father the will of the father is that you believe on the one who he sent the father sent jesus christ to us so that we will believe on jesus christ and jesus will take us back to the father when it's all done that's the arrangement first john 5 13 john explains why he wrote the book of first john second john third john listen to what he says here these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Twice he tells you believe on the name of the Son of God. For what? That ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can go door to door for 50, 60, 70 years with these magazines, and on your deathbed, You'll die in fear, not knowing if you've ever done enough to satisfy the God of the watchtower. But my God says, I never asked you to do that. I told you to believe. Believe on Jesus Christ and your sins will be forgiven. Believe he died on the cross for your sins. He paid the full price for your sins on the cross. And before he died, he said three words. It is finished. He did not say to be continued. He said, it is finished. Now, will you let it be finished? Give it to him. Give all your sins, all your concerns, all your worries, everything. Hand it off to Jesus Christ. He knows how to deal with it. And when it comes to this whole watchtower thing, somebody sent me a message telling me that I'm revealing too many secrets from the watchtower and the headquarters is now on to me. Good. It's about time, guys. It's been almost two years I've been doing this. about time you guys came to the party. But if you're watching, I do want to ask you to do the same thing. Because for as long as there's breath in your lungs governing body, you can still be forgiven and you can turn this thing around. There's no need for you to continue to preach error. There's no need for it. Ask Jesus to forgive you and he'll forgive you. You can be like William Setnar and come out of the watchtower. You can be like friends and come out of the watchtower. The one who wrote Crisis of Conscience. You can be like him and come out of the watchtower. You can come out of the watchtower. Why don't you follow the real Jesus? You used to use the King James Bible. You said so in your earlier watchtower. You used to use the King James. Why'd you abandon this book and write your own? Why? Come back to the real word of God. It's not too late. It's not too late. Watch video number seven. Learn who Jesus really is. From your own Bible. I show you from your own Bible that Jesus is Jehovah in video number seven. From your own Bible. So those of you who want to be Christians, this is the way to do it. Pray, ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Let him know you believe he died on the cross for your sins. He paid the full price. And you're just handing it off to him. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he'll make you a brand new person. I'm not worried about the leader. The leadership of the Watchtower is on to me. More power to him. Okay? I'm not intimidated. I'm not bothered one bit. I'm going to keep preaching this King James Bible. That's it. So that pretty much does it, guys. There should be, what, four more videos, I think, left in this series. And this should be over. Just four more. Maybe three. I'll try to cut it down if I can. But hopefully I've been helping some people out. So until next we meet, may the grace of my God Jesus be with you. Get yourself a King James Bible and start reading it and believe in what it says. And anywhere in here where it disagrees with what the Watchtower has taught you, you let God's word be true. Let God be true. And every man be a liar. Let God be true, and every man be a liar.